Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. Oh, thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. Uh, I was laughing there uh, with that one voice note about the ANC manifesto and whether or not it's going to include the payment of salaries uh, for staff at, at the ANC. And you would have seen over the weekend the treasurer, uh, Paul Mashatili, coming under scrutiny. You know, did you see that video of him handing out Monielo that's offering? helping people offer and of course all sorts of interpretations uh, to that but he came out and said well he was traveling with those people and so he needed to give them some money to offer when they were in church yesterday but uh, some really looking at it it's as more politics as some call it all right let's look at the situation then that is unfolding in ethiopia particularly in terms of the tigray region ethiopia's deputy prime minister over the weekend saying to the international community that they should stay out of their war with tigray now he was addressing the un's general assembly where he told world leaders to allow the african union to work on bringing all parties together. Well, let's listen to Dimeke Mekonen Hassan. While cooperation and concern from our friends is welcome, we underline the need to employ constructive approach, cultivate trust, and create understanding. Attempts to extend support or even opine on an internal issue of a state requires full understanding about the complexity of the problem. It shall be noted the challenge we are facing is not limited to the boundaries of Ethiopia. The entire region is facing the destructive paths paved for it by this group. Supporting Ethiopia overcome this criminal group is helping sustain regional peace. Dialogue has always been our preferred course of action. Accordingly, Ethiopia is open to candid initiatives for peace. In this connection, we will work with the African Union and the High Representative, representative for the Horn of Africa towards an Ethiopia-led national dialogue. We only hope the African Union will be given the space to apply its own wisdom. I also underscore my government's unreserved commitment for the provision of humanitarian assistance and facilitate the operation of our humanitarian partners that adhere to the principle of neutrality, independence, and humanity and the law of the laws of the country. Well, let me invite then onto the program Isaac Homo, who is an African political commentator. Dada Homo, good morning and thanks for your time this morning. Morning to you and morning to the listeners. Look, I, I think an important place to begin, you know, to fully understand what is unfolding in, in, in the eastern region of Ethiopia today, we should look at what has led to this conflict, what, has, what is behind this conflict that we're seeing in Tigray. Okay, thanks for the for the question, and I think that's a very good starting point. Well, basically, the thing which led to the conflict it was when there was a change within the ruling party at that time, which was the Ethiopia People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, 
whereby they got in a new leader in the form of uh, Abiyé. Now, the changes that Abiyé brought in, he brought in many changes whereby he actually went up against that group which really had the hegemonic power of that party. That's a thing that people do not understand. The ruling party then, which was the Ethiopian People's Revolutionary Democratic Front, it was basically a party that was dominated by the uh, TPLF, which was the major victorious party when they fought against the Dirk. Mm. Now, the TPLF is the Tigray People's Liberation Front. Now, that hegemony of the TPLF, it did not only come in the uh, end of the party, it actually went to the military, to the political, to the economic, and to, the, or to all the security structures of Ethiopia. Basically, the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front was the power behind uh, the Ethiopian state. Now, that manifested itself in various ways. In one of the areas that it manifested itself, they dominated the armed forces, the military, the army, whereby over 80% of the army was made up of uh, Tigrayans. Mm. Over 80% of the officer corps was Tigrayans. And uh, that filtered down to other, uh, uh, to other security structures. Now, the Ethiopians, basically, they said that they had a democracy, but it was not democratic. That if you look at the history of all the Ethiopian um, elections that took place, uh, you find that they were marred by a lot of violence, whereby people from the other ethnic groups or national groups were literally suppressed and killed. But now with the coming of Abiyé, that actually changed. And not only that, Abiyé actually formed a new party, which they called uh, the Prosperity Party. And they actually came to come and nullify, try to nullify the power of the TTLF. Now, Ethiopia was going through a process of having uh, elections in the different regions. And one of the regions that was the TPLF where things are not stable, the central government actually postponed those elections. And that actually spurred uh, a backlash amongst the Tigrayans where you find that the military element within the Ethiopian army of the mm. TPLF literally mutinied and they actually attacked the, they actually went and took over the military bases which were in Tigray. Now, these military bases, it is said that they actually had something like about 75% of all the armament that was handled, that was there within the Ethiopian army. And from there, that's where they attacked the government forces, which is the truth. But that's the thing which has been left out in the narratives that are coming out from Ethiopia. And that precipitated the fighting which is taking place. So, Basically, the yeah. fighting was actually started by the TPLF. Mm. So, you know, you've spoken about the the balance of power in, in, in Ethiopia. Mm. So mm. by and large... Did this conflict that has now been raging for 10 months, did it come from the fact that there seemed to be conflict between the Prime Minister, Abiy Ahmed, and some of the leaders of the Tigray People's Liberation Front? 
um, is is that where the tensions ultimately were stemming from, given the kind of influence that the TPLF has always had in Ethiopia and therefore even on the government of Ethiopia? Well, it's a very simple, a simple answer to that. And there mm. are many other examples in the African continent. Where the conflict really comes is where you find that you have got a, a military ethno uh, 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 an ethno-military oligarchy, political oligarchy, mm. that is losing power politically. Now, with that, they actually revert to a military option. That happened in the DRC when you find the LCD Goma, when they lost the elections uh, after Sun City, where they got less than even 2% of the national vote. Now, instead of actually having the RCD Goma army come up and join the DRC forces. They opted for a military solution whereby they came out to be an independent military thing. And that's what is actually happening in Ethiopia. The TPLF element within the ruling part, when they lost the political power, Mm. they've opted for a military uh, solution to the whole issue. That's what is happening. When we look at the situation then in Ethiopia, particularly within the uh, Tigray region of that country, the UN is currently estimating that we're looking at about 5.2 million people that are currently in need of of urgent assistance um, due to the long-going famine, you know, that, 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 that has been taking place there. And we're also seeing, of course, different entities wanting to bring some form of help, but that is all being blocked by the Ethiopian government. Let's talk a lot more about why that is the case and why you have this very strong call from the Ethiopian Deputy Prime Minister for people to stay out of their affairs. Yeah, you see, the thing is this, that now you've made an accusation that the Ethiopian army is actually stopping the aid from getting there. It's a war situation. In Syria, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, that's a very. It's a very. Okay, let's forget about that. Uh, so, so, sorry, the, so, sorry, uh, what did you say? I said. I said that you've made, you've come up with a statement saying that the Ethiopian army is actually blocking aid from getting to the people. So, so, so the the yeah. accusation from the UN government from the UN is that the government there is blocking aid supplies. That's what I intended to say. That that's yeah, yeah, the, the statement from the, the UN. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is this, that the, the government forces in, in Tigray have been pushed out. The government forces, they not even have a presence there. Most of their forces which were in Tigray have been captured. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing that people do not know. Uh, not only that, Ethiopia had to rely on assistance from uh, Eritrea to come and actually handle the, Ethiopian, the TPLF forces, which were the bulk of the Ethiopian army. But now you find that uh, Ethiopia is complaining about misrepresentation of the whole situation. Aid could not go there simply because it was a war situation. Now, for a war situation to take place, for aid to get in the civilian uh, system to get in there, there has to be a ceasefire. Now, the thing is this, that the Ethiopians actually did declare ceasefire after being threatened uh, with sanctions by the Western countries. But the Eritreans have taken advantage of that ceasefire by actually taking the war 
out of Tigray, the war fighting is not in Tigray right now. Mm. The fighting now is in Afra and um, Amhara. The Ethiopian forces have been pushed back. And uh, the Tigrayans have got the upper hand and they've got, uh, they're have got in the position of actually coming to um, move on to Addis Ababa. Now, this is a thing that people do not understand. The Ethiopian presence in Tigray is no longer there. They've been pushed out. We're in conversation with Isaac Komu. He is an African political commentator. We're talking about then the ongoing conflict that has been uh, taking place in Tigray. I see Advocate Sipo Mandula, you're on the line. <laughs> Not surprising, you want to weigh in. Good morning. Morning, Sis Katie. Komu, we said that. You know, Sis Katie, I want to agree with Dr. Komu that one of the pull or the push triggers of this uh, conflict was the power domination coming from the Makele region. But I can tell you, Sis Katie, since 2017, when I was there, mm-hmm. this uh, conflict was simmering in the sense that even when they left Addis Ababa, they were, have already amassed a lot of wealth that they were already building their new Addis Ababa in a, another region. And the issue that has been raised of Eritrea, it is fascinating that it was brought in because it was critical to be brought in because when this uh, current conflict erupted, some of these rebels moved towards the Eritrean border. And that's where there was a link between Addis Ababa and Asmara to say, how do we deal with this crisis when actually Eritrean uh, Addis Ababa, they have just... Uh, I mean, uh, have new uh, alliances once more. And finally, I think the issue of the UN being pulled out, it is because the AU again failed. Remember that during the, te- the, the term of Cyril Ramaphosa, Kalema Mutante was an envoy on this matter. And when you look again, Katie, when you look at Tsekedi's uh, approach towards this current conflict, mm-hmm. it is the same about the Nile conflict, that the AU is failing to understand the complexities of this current conflict. And that's where we are now at this drawing board that Ethiopia can go to the UN General Assembly and tell them to now back off, allow an African process. And Sudan and Egypt, you must remember that as well. They are still pushing their own agenda. So I think those are the conflict zones that will be still facing the Horn of Africa. Thank you, Kate. You know, Advocate Mandula, before you go, just on the issue of complexity, right, let's talk <laughs> about the fact that you now have Tigray. Effectively, when you when you read even how the reports coming out of the region are concerned, it's almost as if Tigray has become its own standalone <laughs> country, <laughs> you know, that, you know, you have Ethiopia and then you have Tigray and there's, there's this contest for, yeah. um, for, for, for that space. What, what, what do you think is, is part of the reason behind that? No, 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 correct. Even when they had this uh, uh, conflict breakaway, it was for them having a self governing state where they went for their own elections. Remember that they went for their own elections when they were saying that these past elections were not legitimate, they will not endorse them. Mm. Those are the issues that they were looking at the uh, uh, self-governing state type of, which it was not that referendum will not have allowed. Like it was said earlier that Amara and the Oromo regions as well, they are a a hot potato in terms of the self-governing state. But Adi Ahmed came with this concept of there's only one Ethiopia. He was avoiding too many uh, regional governments that were not even accountable to the uh, central government. And that's where the crisis has 
been there, as it was said earlier, that TPLF have tasted power for, for almost two decades. And when there was time for them to now agree that the Amara and the Oromo must be brought into government, that's where the tension erupted. Advocate Sipo Mandula, <laughs> let me thank you so much for your contribution onto the show. Ndate Homu, you're laughing. Go for it. I'll give you, uh, we've got about two minutes before news, but of course we're going to continue the conversation uh, okay. after 11.30. I'm, la- I'm laughing because Sipo said just exactly what I was saying about the, uh, the TPLF mm. and they losing power and the, the whole thing breaking up into what it is. Basically, Abi Ahmed, what he has done is that he tried to come and democratize Ethiopia and actually centralize the power of the of, of the power basically into the central government other than in the devolved situation that it is now. Mm. So now basically the TPLF, the Tigrayans, they are fighting against that issue of they losing power and they've opted for a military solution. That's all. Is it a process that could have been undertaken differently, given the the fact that, you know, we are talking politics and you now also have reference being made to the need for a political solution to this problem? You see, that's the thing. I mean, to say that the people who actually opted for the military option, it is not the government. It is the, it is the Tigrayans. And it's up to them to agree to come to the table. Mm. The government has actually said it, that they are prepared. In fact, in that speech at the UN, McConnell said that they want to actually continue with a political solution to the problem under the, uh, 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 under the OAU. Yeah. So that is the situation that uh, the Eritreans have got to come up. But unfortunately, the Eritreans, they've actually got the... Uh, the, the, the mainstream media behind that. In fact, that's a thing that the Ethiopians have been complaining for a long time, that the narratives which are coming out, not only from the mainstream media, but also from international bodies, they tend to favor, uh, they, uh, to favor the TPLF, which is not the real situation on the ground. Mm. Okay, we'll continue our conversation with Isaac Homu. He's an African political commentator. I'll also take more of your calls on 011-714-2006. It's 11.30 and good morning. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point of paying special attention to the situation that is unfolding in Ethiopia. This is the Tigray region of Ethiopia and the calls that have been made by the government in Ethiopia for the international community to actually stay away, allow the African Union to intervene and also allow for uh, talks, I would imagine, that would lead to some kind of political solution to the crisis. Of course, um, uh, Isaac Homo is an African political commentator. I hope I'm not being overly presumptuous, but oftentimes when people talk about political solution, they, they do mean some process of, of talks and engagements uh, amongst the different parties. Well, exactly. The political solution it actually sort of means it's uh, sitting down and actually talking. Yeah? Uh, then that's it. Yeah, you bear, you come and bargain, and you come up with a solution to a problem. Now that is what the Ethiopians are calling for. But uh, the the TPLF, they having the upper hand on the battlefield. 
That's a thing that people don't understand. Mm. They've got the upper hand on the battlefield and they're actually getting supplies. This uh, extension of the regional conflict you know, with the Sudan and Egypt, yeah, they actually have some support, tacit support. Now, they really are dragging their feet on actually coming up or adopting the political um, option to the problem. Mm. Hey, let me go to you. You're calling us from Johannesburg. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Katie. Thank you for you and for the listeners mm. and the thanks for the SFM for calling back. Ma'am, let me try to highlight what is the meaning of Ethiopia. Let me listen. Mm. Ethiopia means during the Roman Empire, <laughs> the Roman soldiers defied the Ethiopian and African army. After that, entire African name called Ethiopia. That name given to the general Africano of the Roman soldiers. When we come to now, currently Ethiopia is in a very serious problem. Ethiopia is the mother of Africa. Ethiopia is very strategic and important for Africa, as we know in history. Never been colonized and fighting the colonial power for the centuries. What is happening? The TPLF is not going working alone. America and the Europeans together supporting the TPLF and against the Abiy Ahmad government, like Thomas Sankara in Burkina Faso. Abiy Ahmad stands for the African vision and the mission, and Abiy Ahmad brought the prosperity party, and we have over 85 tribes, and he unites everyone Ethiopian. Less than TPLF tribes, only about 2 to 3 percent of the national uh, government or population figure. What is happening, Europeans and Americans currently, they are focusing very dangerously on Ethiopia to destroy Ethiopia completely. Previously, the Ethiopian ocean, the Ethiopian continent given to the African is a colonial name. Now, you go to the Djibouti, the small little province, mm-hmm. it belongs to Ethiopia. During the Minilik, the railway was built by the France. The king doesn't have the money to pay and he gives those province to use for nine years. Even the France was sabotaged for 99 years, nine years agreement. The king signed and they took that land. Now in Djibouti, all the mighty power of the foreign Europeans, Americans, Chinese, Russians, you can call them the Britain, all of them, the military base was based on the Djibouti. In the narrow of the Babi al-Mandeb, under where the, the Red Sea of the Ethiopia controlling the Red Sea before the Eritrea was liberated. Now they are trying to destroy Ethiopia currently and they want to brought the civil war in Ethiopia like Syria and the Yemen. That is a dream of America. Ethiopia cannot even drink its own water from the Nile. Imagine the Nile leak become a serious dispute, a global politics because of America. Even Donald Trump says Egypt will blow up the Nile dam. So, so, Once so, we, know, we are yeah. not, we are not, let me tell you, TPLF of the current uh, the politicians serving for 27 years, the American government and the Europeans, they sucking the minerals. Ethiopia is the mineral richest country in Africa. They know the richest resource in Ethiopia, the oil, uranium, gold, and everything. Now they want to exploit the minerals. They want to destroy Ethiopia. The American involvement, the European involvement, I'm going to say hand off from Africa. Africa now stands free. We need to unite. Let's not Americans and the Europeans not to colonize Africa. If now they touch Ethiopia, they will come to South Africa. They will come to every Africa. 
Americans and the Europeans, please, I'm going to say, they must go to hell. They must leave Ethiopia. That old man, Joe Biden, he must leave. Even right. Donald Trump, any one of them. All they right, must Let's leave it there. Hale in, in Johannesburg, very strong views. And, you know, the point that he's raising about Djibouti is also, it's an important one, uh, because there's been a lot happening in Djibouti. And oftentimes it doesn't it doesn't really get as much, you know, international attention as, as I believe it, it should. Well, Djibouti, it's a... Uh it's in a very strategic position. Yes, it yes. Actually, mm. It actually controls the entry to the Red Sea. And actually, Ethiopia is beholden to Djibouti because Ethiopia does not have a port to itself. Yeah, Ethiopia relies on Djibouti. Ethiopia rely, uh, uh, it, rely, it relies on Djibouti for everything. Another port maybe it was uh, that of Masawa, but that is touch and go, which is in Eritrea. Now... The whole issue about Ethiopia and um, Western countries, I will not get much into it, but you see that Ethiopia basically it's a country which has got, which has been experiencing very high uh, levels of uh, development. Uh, and Ethiopia is unique, not only in Africa, but also in the world, that it's the only country which has been able to sustain very high um, economic uh, development of something about seven to eight percent, but the economy it is not based; it's not resource based. Ethiopian economy is highly uh, diversified, and most of it is actually based on uh, agricultural produce. And now it's ca- starting up with the manufacturing sector, and in that regard, they've actually brought in the Chinese are playing a very important part. Yeah. So that in itself was somehow, I would not say it actually dictated, it was somehow resented uh, uh, within uh, some certain quarters in the Western world. They say that Ethiopia has actually aligned itself with the Chinese. Yeah, but Ethiopia is a very important country. It's the second most populous country in Africa. And with that, um, with its, uh, what do you call it, uh, economic development mm. and its strategic position, basically, although it does not have a port of its own, that it's actually linked to some very important countries like Sudan, Kenya, and it's also a gateway to further afield to countries like South Sudan and even uh, places like Chad. All right. So there is a lot of um, geopolitics that's taking place around the powers that be within the Ethiopian uh, territory. And, and and I believe also that 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 region in in particular. Uh, let me take a call quickly from Ali in Cape Town. Ali, good morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning, Mr. Augusta. Uh, I'm Ali from Cape Town, Somalian originally. Mm-hmm. Really, the Ethiopia are very important in in and then Tigray the tribe. Let's say Kathy to be honest, the tribe of the Tigray they must respect the head of the country. Because they were ruling in the last 20 or 30 years, mm. Amhara and the Tigray ruling. But Roma is the largest, it's a modern Zulu tribe. So, I mean, they don't want the Ahmed Abede and his party, really, because, I mean, the, he brings the country stable. I mean, even when you look at the Somali region, uh, region in Ethiopia and the different area, really. So, on the other hand, yeah. really, uh, Kathy, I just want to remind you, my guys, what goes around comes around. Many Ethiopia, they interfere with Somalia. Is, is, I mean, so, I mean, now the, the, the pressure is. The poll is the corner for the Ethiopia. 
So also Egypt and Sudan also, I mean, and they're not honestly, they interfere mm-hmm. because they support Tigray because they benefit their own opinion. Look, I mean, Somalia, did we get the peace in Africa keeping? No. How many countries in Somalia and Mogadishu? The most tight area in the world, I mean, really. I mean, every day in the Shabab, they, they, they kill or whatever. So the African Union, also, they, they are not honestly. They are not, they are not committing, they are not patriotic. So mm. what goes around comes around, it's obvious many times they destabilize other countries in Africa. So now they, they, they must feel the pressure, really. I'm not wishing, but the time, I mean, Africa must be strong. It's, it's strong, I mean, opinion and the good leader and, and the patriotic. Because some of our, our leader, including Somalian leader, they are part of America, they are part of, even some of the people they are part of America. So they, 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 they're colluding the European again, they bring. Look, I mean, in Ethiopia, Somalia, there's no water, but we can bring the letters again in, in, in Europe. So sometimes it's also we are part of the problem here. That's my opinion. Sorry if, right. I, if I'm rude or whatever. All right, Ali, thanks for that call, Ali, out in Cape Town. And, and you know, Ali is speaking to an issue that, that I think Kale was also addressing, and it's the various interests um, that, 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 that do find themselves playing out within, within, these conf- within this conflict, perhaps. And, Dr. Khomu, you can wrap up taking a look at that particular angle for us mm. and, and what yeah. the role of those interests then will mean for where this conflict will ultimately go? You see, um, I would not know where to start because it's a long story, but I'll make it short. You see, uh, Abi, Abi, he came up with something which is very powerful, that he actually went for a political solution with some long-standing conflicts, conflicts in Romo, conflicts in, uh, in, in Amhara, there was a fighting in Amhara, and also conflicts in uh, the Ogaden, where the Somalis face their area, but it's an area which has got a lot of other ethnic groups, but it's not a subject to be talked about now. Now, you find that with that solution that Abiyah got, uh, especially let's take a place like uh, the Ogaden, uh, it is actually a new dawn for Ethiopia. Now, um, Mr. Ali, he actually... Uh, he actually sort of condemns Ethiopia for actually coming up and interfering in Somalian uh, affairs. But people have forgotten that Somalia actually started a very, very bad war to try to take over the Ogaden by force. And Somalia was the place where the Oromo Liberation, not sorry, the Ogaden Liberation Front was actually having its bases and most of its fighters. They, were within, they came from Somalia. So basically, Ethiopia has got a very, very strong uh, interest in the events that are taking place in Somalia, simply because the rebels who were fighting in Ogaden, they were based in Somalia. But uh, that area, the Horn of Africa, it is a very critical region. And right now you find that there is a new player that's coming in there and that is actually forcing itself into issues, not only of Ethiopia, issues of uh, Somalia and other uh, countries in that area. And that is the GCC countries. Those are the countries of the uh, Gaza, uh, the Arabian Gaza. Now, those countries, they have come to play a very important part in Sudan. They've come to dominate and actually finance the military in Sudan and the military section of the, of, of the government, of, of the unity government that's in power, they've come to play a very important part 
in Somalia, with Djibouti and in Somaliland. So now you find that these countries are also aligned together with Egypt and Sudan in actually destabilizing Ethiopia. So the geopolitics of the Horn of Africa is very, very, very sensitive. And the Ethiopians really, they've got, they've got to walk a very fine line to actually maintain peace and actually end conflicts which are there. They know that they cannot actually win through a military uh, option. That's why they're actually calling for a, for a negotiated political options to the problems of that region. Given the desperation of the TPLN to hang on, uh, TPLF rather, to hang on to power, um, what is it going to take for those negotiations to actually be successful? Well, if the negotiations be successful, that means say that the big powers have got to come in and actually sort of play the part they're supposed to come in instead of being partisan, in the sense that they've actually got to actually um, um, and look at why it's, the returns are getting their support. Because the returns are having a lot of support, which they are assured of, and that is also military support in arms. Yeah? Now, those people who are arming the, the TPLF have got to be taken to task. Yeah, and when you talk like that, you're talking basically Sudan, Sudan, Egypt, and also the Gulf countries. Yeah, so they're really included. Mm. Yeah, so now that is the major thing that has got to be looked into. It should be remembered that when the TPLF was fighting against the Derg, uh, the major supply of arms was the USA. And not only the USA, they were doing that through Saudi Arabia. Now, it appears that the TPLF has, wants to come and reform those unions which it had during the time when they were fighting against Mengistu Hail Maria. Ndate Isaac Homo, let me thank you so much for your time and for your expertise and insights into this particular subject. And yeah, really, really uh, helps give a good explanation and lay of the land of what is leading to this conflict and as you heard what it's really going to take to be able to bring it to an end so one of the big stories to watch coming out of the continent